0: Tonight on our Wednesday night special on Blaze TV, I talk about education and history and what you can do to actually change things in your neighborhood and how important it is to be educated and absolutely involved on the local level. Today on the podcast, we talk a little bit about that. We talk to a couple of people that have actually made a difference. We talk to the head of Hillsdale College, which is just dirt strong. Uh, probably the only the only university in America that I actually feel comfortable that my kids will not encounter indoctrination. We talk to him because he was part of the 1776 Commission, which uh, of course was one of the first things with it. I don't think that Biden even made it to the White House before that thing was erased off of the White House uh, website. They called it all kinds of names. uh, And it's important that you understand what's actually in that 1776 project. We also talked to uh, a mom who is very upset. She grew up in China. She didn't have Dr. Seuss, but she did tell us how things worked in China and why we need to stand up today. Also, Mike Lee is on, talking about all the nonsense out of Washington. Stu looks at uh, the Asian-American violence. And unfortunately, we didn't get to Andrew Cuomo. Forget about (laughs) it
1: all on today's podcast and don't miss a big night on blaze tv tonight blaze tv.com slash glenn promo code is glenn brand new studios america at 8 p.m eastern followed by brand new glenn tv at 9 don't miss either and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and studios america as well here's the podcast
2: you're listening to the best of the glenn beck program
0: So today is the day that here in Texas, uh, they've lifted all of the COVID restrictions. We're back to the way we were a year ago, a year ago. Uh, we've opened the doors of the Mercury Studios. It's a little like, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, except no one in a crowd outside waiting to get in.
1: I'm surprised. All yeah. that, everyone hasn't rushed back in. <laughs> right.
0: It's like, whoa, I, whoa, what? Yeah, everyone complains about, I can't
1: go out, I can't go out. I think this is going to be the exception. People are going to be like, I kind of like working at home. Yeah. I kind of like working at home. So I think that's good, the way this is going to... Gonna yeah, happen. but I mean, you Maryland know, just announced they're going to reopen hmm. uh, everything here coming up on, I think, on Friday. Hmm. uh Connecticut has announced it, Mississippi. Oh my gosh. Montana, why are they trying to kill Texas. people? I know. Well, they're, they're just irresponsible. The New York Times has a list of mostly open, mixed, and mostly closed businesses. Mm-hmm. And now there are currently no more states in mostly closed. There are only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, I think nine, eight, eight states that are still. In mixed, and everything else is
0: quote unquote. And what's crazy is open. this has gone against what the progressives have wanted. I mean, people are starting to open things back up, and every time, at least when a red state does it, uh, you're condemned. Yeah, there's this dumb thing
1: that happens, and when a red state does it, they're condemned. I mean, Texas got. Just slaughtered in the media because they're opening up to 100%. Right. No one seemed to notice. In fact, a lot of people that I know, because I grew up in Connecticut, were very critical of Texas for their uh, reopening, didn't seem to notice the next day when Connecticut announced basically the same thing.
0: So let me switch subjects here because I think this is really exciting. The House has passed Protecting the Right to Organize Act. Ooh. This yeah. has got to be good. I could, it's protecting yeah. something. It's a right. Well, we have a right to organize yeah. and petition our government. You know what right. I mean? So do we need so, an act
1: for it? Because I yeah. think it's in the Constitution
0: I already. Think we but, can, you know. I think we can organize. We have a, a right to organize. We have a right to come together and, oh, no, wait, But wait, 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 wait. No, that's to say things against the government. We don't have that right, right? Mm. They were taking that right away. You can't get together. You can't get together. You can't congregate. You can't. I mean, that's really dangerous stuff. You're a radical if you want that. However, if you want to uh, have a union. You're you're set. If you don't want to have a union, uh, it kind of sucks for you. The House passed the protecting the right to organize the pro act, a bill that would substantially amend existing U.S. labor law. In a 225 to 206 vote Tuesday evening, five Republicans voted with the Democrats in favor. One Democrat voted with Republicans against it. It is a wish list for union leaders. If you didn't know who controlled the union, I mean, who controlled the Democratic Party, you certainly do now. It is, uh, it's amazing. Um, The ranking member of the House Education and Labor uh, uh, Committee added that unions have pushed the bill to stop declining union membership, which has taken place over the last 60 years. It forces unionization of workers who don't necessarily want to join a union or pay union dues. Republicans proposed a series of amendments to the PRO Act, which were rejected by the Democrats. One rejected amendment proposed uh, would have required unions with a president or vice president who has been convicted of a felony within the last three years to file more detailed financial disclosures with the Department of Labor. So, So that one was going too far. You don't. You don't want to have to actually ask somebody who's been convicted of a felony in the last three years. Right. Four
1: years ago, you could have murdered an entire group of school children with bowling balls. But three, as long as it's not within the last three years. Exactly right. That's exactly right. And and, and
0: listen, that didn't pass, thank goodness. So you could have murdered a bunch of school children with bowling balls (laughs) yesterday. (laughs) And uh, you don't have to answer any questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The PRO Act is a, uh, a compilation of various policy changers, changes that the labor unions support, which would make it easier for unions to organize private sector employees. The bill would remove workers' ability to vote against unionization, listen to this, via secret ballot elections. So when they're voting, should we have a union or not, you have to, do, you have to stand up and go, Uh, I'm against the Union thugs. (laughs) That's going to work out well for you. I mean, that's crazy. That is crazy. A secret ballot is one of the main cornerstones of America. I'd like a uh, horse head in my bed. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) I'd like to just give the address (laughs) of my children's school right now um it gives the national labor relations board not the workers a final say in the decision to unionize a workforce the pro act would also nullify the right to work laws that exist in 27 states so we have a right to work law uh not anymore
1: i mean that's really bad you you see over and over again that the right to work states outperform Every time unionizing states every time uh, over and over again.
0: I mean, I have just a uh, I mean, a quick story. Uh, In fact, two. the first time I met Don Imus, uh, I was 18 years old and I was up at WNBC in New York. And I had come from WNBC. Where was I at the time? I think it was in Washington, WPGC, and it was not a union uh, radio station. And I go to WNBC where my friend was working. And it was still a music station at the time. And they had him in one booth just to say, 66 WNBC. This is, you know, whoever. That's what he did. They had a member of the musicians union. It was the only person that could touch the records at the time. They were still playing records. The only one that could touch the record Was a member of the musicians union and he would touch the record and grab it and then he would put it on the turntable. Then a second person, which was a uh, a member of the, what was it, technicians union? (laughs) He could actually put the needle on the uh, record and cue it up. Then you'd have your board op start the record. And the jock was in a different room. In a different room, and all he would do is talk. Okay, so you had in a and job they, I, that it, I was doing myself. You had to have
1: four people do, and they didn't. They couldn't even turn their microphones on. No, right? they couldn't. That had to be the board op to yes, do that. Yes, I mean that is incredible, incredible, and incredible. What happens in, like when the technician is putting the needle on the record and he mistakenly touches the record? Does he spontaneously combust? How does that work? I don't. I don't really know.
0: Okay. But they were very, very serious about it because <laughs> I was mocking it, and uh, he was like, "Don't mock it." Yeah, Don't it. don't it. Right. I'll be dead by tomorrow. Because it's protecting jobs, jobs that
1: didn't need to exist. So it
0: started, the radio union started because they started replacing orchestras. You know, they would have singers come in and bands come in and everything else. So all of those musicians <laughs> lost their jobs soon as the record came in. And so the union said, you can't play records. What are you talking about? Of course we're going to play records. It's cheaper, it's better, it's consistent. No, I can't do that. Look at all the musicians that are going to be put out of work. Well, yeah, it's called progress. Okay, well, then if you're going to do that, we're going to organize. They organized and said musicians' union members had to be the one that moved the, the record. Okay, so former musicians were like, yeah, I used to play the horn. Now I'm just doing this. Unbelievable. Okay, the second story, we were in New York. And we were building a studio, and it took us how long to build the studio? We had 20,000, 16,000 square feet total, and about 8,000 of it was studio space. We built one, two, three studios, but the walls were already up. Okay, It was already a radio station. All we had to do was just um, put some sheetrock up change the look of everything you know do some painting and wallpaper or some lights drop the consoles into things that were already there uh and it took us about a year and it was the biggest pain in the butt ever and everything was waiting for the unions sorry can't touch that no i just i was wondering if you could just i mean could you just plug that in because we're ready to go if you uh um, sorry different union I'll plug it in. Nope. Nope. can't do, that. Can't do it. Mm-hmm. And if it is plugged in, you're fined. Okay. We came down to Texas, mm-hmm. a right to work state. We took an 80,000 square foot studio and we built the sets. We uh, hung the lights and we made it into a digital broadcast studio. It was a film studio. We built a digital broadcast center and we did the first draft in a week. In a week, we had nothing. And in a week, we had a studio. That's the difference between unions and a right-to-work state. Now, here's the really bad part. You don't get to choose anymore whether you like to join a union or not. All of this is based on that horrible, horrible uh, labor law in California for the... Um, The uh, what do you call it? The I can think only think of bit economy, but it's not. It's the uh, gig economy. Gig economy. Mm -hmm. Uh, The gig economy. Remember, California took it apart and they passed a law that said, no, 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 you can't. You have to have a 40 hour work week. You can't do a bit economy because it's it's just too bad for people. It's just horrible. Well, no. In fact, it was so disliked by the public. That California had a referendum and they voted against it. So they put it in and then the people rose up and said, no, you're not saying no to a gig economy. And the stats on a gig economy are astounding. And that's what they're going after. They're not only going after all the mom and pop businesses. They're not only going after our economy. They're not only trying to help the unions because they've had a 60-year decline because everybody knows how much they suck. I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, look, I, I'm not saying that the mob exists if it no, if no. it did, it it would be great. But I'm sure it doesn't. That's that thing for the movies, right? The mob. Yeah, the mob. That's yeah. not a real. I'm sure that that's not. If a... it
1: did exist, we'd be for it. Uh, yes, we mm-hmm. would absolutely. Be yeah, for we'd it. we'd yeah. love it, and we think they are great guys doing a good job for America. I love them. I
0: love them, but, love uh, them but if they, they don't exist. They don't exist at all. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> uh, we'll tell you about the uh, stats and what this is really going to affect. It's going to reach in to you. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Tonight at 9 o'clock, only on Blaze TV, we are going to talk to you a little bit about history. History is under attack, and we're going into civic action history where the names and the places and everything that doesn't mean anything it's all about action and kids love to take action civics action is coming to your school if it's not already there and that is how to protest how to march in the streets our kids are being indoctrinated and they're not learning history the new ap u.s history standards do not include hitler Or the Holocaust and paint America as the bad guys in World War II because they only pick it up at the dropping of the atomic bomb. We set that correct for your kids today and we show you how powerful that bomb was. We've got a couple of items that were actually in the blast of Hiroshima. Uh, New to the vault. And it is. It's amazing. You don't want to miss tonight because we're going to show you what you can do. And speaking of that, uh, there was a great article out yesterday that I read, and I thought it was really, really well done by somebody who knows. Her name is uh, uh, Helen Raleigh, and she she uh, was born in China and lived in China for a while. And what she talked about how to fight this, what this cultural revolution, she's lived through one before. And I wanted to get her on. Hi, Helen. How are you?
2: I'm good. How are you, Glenn?
0: I'm very good. So can you just tell the story about what you wrote yesterday in The Federalist?
2: Sure. So this is this is the one about uh, canceling Dr. Seuss, right? Yes, yes. And it's... It's really heartbroken for me to read that uh, Dr. Seuss was canceled on his birthday. Um, I shared my experience of growing up in China. I never had a quality, uh, great children's literature. I shared the story I read as a, ch- as a child. The, the ch- uh, uh, children's literature was available was about uh, condemning a, a beaten uh, landlord, landowner to death.
0: And it was and the, the, story, the, just- the, the rooster crows at midnight. Can you tell that story a bit?
2: Sure. Okay. So the rooster crow at night was a children's original for children. Actually, it was about this evil landowner that uh, he was very cruel to everybody. The laborers who worked for him and uh, the com- thanks to the communist party who liberated all the poor people. They took a land and the livestock away from him and distributed it to all the poor people. So all the poor people were happy. And then one night in the midnight, He tried to steal a chicken from the poor people um, because he didn't have any. Uh, The story did not say that. And then uh, the children caught him. And the children who caught him, and there was a picture in the storybook, it's a black and white picture, show the children who have all pointed this shiny spear at him. And he was just knelt down on the ground, head dropped, hands tied at his back. It looks like really, you know, uh, completely defeated. And the author who were interviewed after the story became really popular, uh, the author was interviewed. He mentioned this was a real life story, and the landowner who was caught after struggle session, he was uh, beaten to death. That's the story I read when I was a, a child That's a in
0: China. Warm uh, story. And you, when you came to America, you knew about Dr. Seuss, but it wasn't until you. Um until you had a child and you started reading that you read Dr. Seuss for the first time. And what was that experience like?
2: It was very refreshing because I found um, that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to fill out a missing chapter in my own childhood. And then my, I was making it up, you know, during my adulthood because there, there was no reason for me to even thought about reading it until, you know, I was about to become a mother. And I just love the colorful pictures, I love the simple words, but in the rhyme, and I love the joy. And I just, uh, listen, even though those Dr. Seuss book is written in simple words, but they have a deep meaning if you really think about it. Oh, yeah. You know, like the saying about if you keep your eyes shut, you will see nothing. You know, that's perfect mm-hmm. for today's cancel culture. If you keep your mind shut, if you keep your eyes shut, you will see nothing. You will learn nothing. And I wish more of us will read his book instead of banning his book.
0: Well, so what do you say about because um, people say this is not the cancel culture, um, but it is when eBay refuses to sell um, a used copy of the book, I think. Um, but what mm-hmm. do you say that it was the the family that that said, I don't we don't want to print these books anymore. They own the copyright. So is it cancel culture or is it just what what is it exactly? Because there are really. Uh, negative stereotypes of Chinese people in, I can't believe I saw it on Mulberry Street.
2: Right, but uh, let's just unpack this a little bit. First of all, it was not Chinese American immigrants who raised any questions about that. You know, we cannot use today's uh, moral standard to judge things that happened, take place with their historical context. If we do that, there's nobody's perfect. We're gonna cancel all the valuable uh, things ever ever been created because there's nothing gonna be perfect enough. And I think that that's why this cancel culture is really uh, it, it's a culture. It's a left, uh, left, It's a culture revolution, and it's not gonna stop by bending a few books or tear down a few statues. It it it's a, it's a movement to really cancel the Western civilization the the banning of few books, pulling down these few statues is just just the beginning. That's why I mentioned in my piece. I see the parallel between what's happening in America, really in the Western civilization today, comp- is really parallel to what's happening in China during the Cultural Revolution. It's about a total destruction of the old world, so the uh, book map can create a ideologically purified new world. That's why I find this whole banning. Books and also eBay preventing you from even trading about it, trading a book voluntarily. That is really problematic. You know, uh, the, the Dr. Seuss enterprise, they only stopped publishing those books because the woke Mob complained about those books. It was not, the complaint did not fi- was not filed because Asian people complained. It was filed because the woke Mob decided that they are going to cancel Dr. Seuss' book and they're going to start with the most problematic ones. And is it going to go down from there? They're never going to stop until they canceled everything.
0: You uh, you've lived through it. You saw the cultural revolution with with Mao. And people say that that's crazy, that it would never happen here. But I contend that, you know, it starts with suggestions. Then it moves to shoving people, shouting and shoving. And when you've Mm -hmm. shouted and shoved everybody that you can, the only thing left is to shoot is that crazy to think that that kind of thing, that this is just going to continue until you, I mean, what are you going to do with the rest of the people that refuse to go along? How, how does this end if we don't wake up?
2: Well, if we don't wake up, it's going to end just like the Cultural Revolution. It's going to be a total destruction of the Western civilization. And you're absolutely right. The, tra- <clears throat> the trajectory is the woke mob first going to pick something that's, we all agree that's problematic, right? Like the confederate uh, statues, like the Dr. Seuss book with the racial stereotype drawing. So they're going to pick something that's problematic to begin with. Then most of us will say, yeah, those, you know, we can accept those things maybe not uh, correct. But uh, again, they will not stop there. Because if, if you listen to their uh, speeches, if you look at their writings, they are deeply hostile to the entire Western civilization. Because they believe this civilization is inherently Irredeemably racist and oppressive, so they're so they're gonna start with statues, they're gonna start with a few books, but they won't stop until this whole civilization is being destroyed. And and if there, are, uh, if there are people who don't willing to go along, that's what what happened in Cultural Revolution is eventually you're gonna have to use blood to purify the idea, you know, to purify the ideology. So that that may happen, you will continue down this road, and people already losing jobs left and right, losing the lab, livelihood today in America because they said something or wrote something that you know the woke mob do not like, and they will condemn them, uh, drive them out of the marketplace. That's happening here right now.
0: Before I change subjects on you, I just want to point out that. Um... She she it's not only the that they're going to wipe out the culture, they wipe out your even your personal history. Helen, as she was reading about this evil landowner uh, and and how he was surrounded by kids and he and all landowners are evil. It wasn't until later in life that she learned that her great grandfather was a landowner and that book was preaching against him as well. She didn't know that. Um, let me just hit one more thing with you before you go. Next hour, we're going to talk about this this uh, uh, trend, they're saying, of white supremacists that are beating up Asians. And it does not ring true to me. We can't find anything uh, that seems legitimate on this. Do you have any insight on is this happening where, you know, Donald Trump fans are are beating up Asians.
2: Well, so there's definitely a definite rise of a hate crimes against the Asians um, since last year. So it's complicated. Um, uh, last year, uh, most some of the complaints, I should say, related to the coronavirus, the pandemic, the fear. Um, but but this year. Uh, particularly in some of the most progressive cities in the united states like san francisco and new mm-hmm. york city um there are several very vicious vicious attacks against asian uh, especially the asian seniors unprovoked attack against the Asian it's seniors. crazy and those uh yeah and those perpetrators they were not white uh they were non-asian you know minorities let me just put it that way they were not white but the activists that now now and, and the mainstream media try to portray this very vicious attack happened recently, somehow was driven by the white nationalism. Um, there's, there's just a disconnect there. And I think I wrote another piece for the Newsweek on this, uh, you know, related to this subject, um, because when you are not waiting to identify the true root cause of a hate crime, you're gonna cause the government to misallocate resources and not not pr- not able to protect the Asian communities you know effectively and efficiently, so I wish more people will speak up the Asian the Asian community have have uh, spoken up against the critical risk theory, and I wish more people will have yeah. the courage to speak up identify the root cause of this.
0: The Asian community has made a huge difference on critical race uh, on the west coast, and uh, Helen, thank you for everything that you do and thank you for your courage for standing up i i know it's not easy uh, but thank you for your example appreciate it
2: thank you for having me
0: you're listening to the best of the glenn beck program Let's go to our good senator, Senator Mike Lee, who's got to be tired by now, honestly.
3: Senator, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Glenn. Good, good to be with you. But, you know, well, nothing is more invigorating for a tired man than going on the Glenn Beck program. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's uh, it's got to be a highlight of your day, Mike. So, Mike, uh, I want to. we have to talk about uh, several things. First of all, the For the People Act. Is that thing going to pass in the Senate?
3: No. And, and if they try to do it, it'll be over my dead body that it passes.
0: <laughs> but don't say that. It might Lord, be.
3: This thing not only renders major parts of the Constitution superfluous, it renders the people superfluous. It, it consolidates government in Washington. It makes it impossible for states to require a voter ID. It makes it impossible uh, for states to prohibit someone from showing up on the same day and registering to vote on the same day that they vote. And it uh, requires at least 15 days of of early voting. It makes the verification process almost impossible to comply with. And and if if there's one part of it that caught my attention, there's even A part of it that can be read to suggest that they're going to start allowing 17 year olds Uh to vote, Uh Uh, uh, which, you know, I would have loved because in the fall of 1988, um, uh, George Walker Bush was on the ballot. I was the president of the Teenage Republican Club (laughs) at (laughs) High School in Provo, you know, like all the cool kids. Yeah, you were cool from the beginning. I actually wrestled with the idea of wishing I had a fake ID just so I could vote, but I I knew that wouldn't be right. So I didn't do it. Yeah.
0: Well, there's a, yeah, the crime, the Mike Lee crime spree finally comes out. So Mike, but I want to be clear. I didn't do it. I just, I just thought, I know, I know, I know. So Mike, uh, it's not going to pass any form of
3: it. Well, uh, look, they're going to try. If, if, If not for the filibuster, they would pass this, and they would probably pass it tomorrow. They're still going to try to pass it. I'm not sure when they're going to try to bring it to the Senate floor, uh, but I'm confident that they're going to try to get around the filibuster. So Uh, do you uh,
0: you have any confidence anymore in Manchin? Now he's starting to like, well, I mean, you know, there's some
3: nuance there. Yeah, I worry a little bit about the fact that he is now targeted for immense pressure to be brought down on him Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and and, and that he's in a position now of wanting to accommodate Democratic leadership whenever he can. Mm -hmm. And that worries me a little bit because there are a lot of tricks they can play. There are a lot of things they could do to convince him. Oh, no, no, we're not nuking the filibuster. This is just a a minor technical correction. Mm -hmm. We're not nuking the filibuster. All we're asking you to do is take a walk, be out of the room while we have Vice President Harris uh, rule that fifty-one votes somehow satisfies the cloture standard, mm-hmm. and then just just don't join the Republicans in voting to appeal the ruling of the chair. That sort of thing can chip away at the filibuster and effectively nuke it without ever requiring Joe Manchin to vote affirmatively to do so. That okay, scares me to death.
0: So this is this is uh, the changing of the voting system. It is it becomes almost irrelevant in my in my opinion, and very unconstitutional. The federal government does not have a right to do any of this, according to the Constitution. Now let me switch to another topic. Biden has just said that he um, is encouraging the Senate uh, and the House to uh, pass uh, the PRO Act. And that is the, I mean, you want to talk about a pro-union giveaway, that's it. Tell me what you know about the PRO Act.
3: I, I know very little about the PRO Act. I can imagine that it probably has something to do with card check. They probably want to take away the ability of workers to cast a private ballot.
0: It absolutely does. It,
3: easier for, okay. it goes a and lot this, further this than that,
0: but it, it, it does have that in it.
3: Yeah. I mean, look, um, workers have, have got the right to form organizations, and uh, but we've got established laws uh, that govern the process of workers making that decision. And it's important that workers be given the chance to cast their votes uh, with a secret ballot and not being watched by uh, by people who might impose consequences on them if they don't vote the way they want to. That's a pretty fundamental part of our, our labor law system. Uh, And if they want to undo that, perhaps they just want to empower the unions, not necessarily the workers they represent, but the union bosses. That's not cool.
0: So it also uh, it also gets rid of the gig economy uh, and it says it's protecting those people. But basically, it's, you know, it's uh, redoing what happened in California. And the people went nuts when that happened. Uh, So So
3: he wants us to go back to the era of having to sit in smelly taxi cabs. Yes. I mean, uh, that that, that is absolutely absurd. He might as well require us to go back to the era of the eight-track cassette tape and the era of the tinfoil TV dinner. I mean, look, there are a lot of things that we've moved beyond as a society, and the old pre-gig economy is not something any of us are anxious to go back to. But I can understand why someone wedded to big labor bosses, as opposed to the workers those people represent, would want to shun technology like the plague. It would want to deprive society of the many benefits associated with it. It's tragic, but sadly not that surprising.
0: Mike, it, you don't have to answer this because I do want to talk to you about uh, the uh, the covid relief bill as well. You you have been so strong on this um, and we're, we've, we're now at 30 trillion dollars of debt. But I do want to ask you tomorrow, the president is going to have his first press conference and there's been some disturbing video recently. Uh, do you have any firsthand knowledge that that he's.
3: Okay. I I, I don't I don't, but, you know, I I haven't had any interaction with him uh, since he was sworn in as president. So I don't have any firsthand uh, knowledge of that or or any knowledge beyond what uh, anyone could see on TV from day to day. And the the benchmark against which one would compare that is relatively small because his TV appearances have been relatively short, relatively scripted and in relatively controlled environments. So, um, yeah, it, well, there is precedent speculation.
0: There is precedent on this uh, when uh, people from the opposing party and his own party uh, went to check on Woodrow Wilson. He had had a stroke and he hadn't been seen for a year and his wife was actually signing all of the bills. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's just there is a there is historical evidence that sometimes people hide how sick the president is uh if if it's a problem and i hope that's not happening um all right
3: talk yeah, to well, me i i certainly don't think that's happening we, we've You're seen right. some no. clips of them out yeah, talking yeah. to people and you know just in relatively short spurts
0: right um i don't think that's happening either uh i just but it it if it's progressing it it could happen um all right talk sure. to me talk to me about a 30 trillion dollar Debt and your comment I thought was great on this. It's not like Republicans can say, Hey, we did everything we could, they're part of the problem.
3: Yeah, well, first of all, we went on a massive spending spree over the last year, and really over the last four years, um, Republican spending has not exactly been a model of restraint. This one takes it to a new level. This one makes uh, an art form out of using COVID as the ultimate excuse for getting away with anything you want, even if it's hurting other people. About $2 trillion that was spent. Very little of it actually was tied to COVID. And and this comes about, uh, by the way, at a moment when it'll take us up to a a $30 trillion debt. Comes about at a moment when we're starting to... See light at the end of the tunnel, vaccines are coming out, immunity is building, infection rates, hospitalization rates, death rates are going down. We're spending two trillion dollars extra in the name of COVID, but very little of that actually goes to COVID. In fact, less than one percent of that That's bill crazy. goes to vaccine production and distribution. So what the heck is it then? Well, fourteen hundred dollar checks, and then you got your uh, three hundred and seventy five billion dollars going to state and local governments which, by the way, are roughly on par with where they were expected to be revenue-wise. Some yeah. states have even seen their revenues go up. Yeah, This is just a big giveaway, uh, a giveaway so, especially to a lot of states that have been loyal to Democrats, and I find that really offensive.
0: So, Mike, what do you need from the, the people? Because I think people want to do something. They just don't believe that anything will change. And, um, and then also people feel very alone right now what can the people do
3: all right what, I, what what the people can do anyone within the sound of my voice who happens to agree that we've got a problem with washington that this stuff is just gross just focus any time you get a chance to talk to a member of congress or somebody running for any federal office talk to them about the fact that you'd love to see the federal government just do the things the federal government is supposed to do that means borders uh immigration laws Weights and measures, trademarks, copyrights and patents, national defense, declaring war, granting letters of mark and reprisal, bankruptcy laws, uh, regulating international and interstate trade. That's about it. Focus on that stuff. Focus on Article One, Section Eight. Leave everything else to the states. It's already the law. It's already the Constitution. It's already the case that every member of Congress and every president has taken an oath to affirm that same principle. We got down this rabbit hole because starting about 85 years ago, Senates, houses of representatives, and White Houses of every conceivable partisan combination have been engaging in this legislative orgy that assumes that everything is appropriately federal. And they're spending more and more and more money doing a lot of times stuff that really isn't any of our business. Spend most of that at the state and local level send most of this federal authority back to the states where it belongs. That's where I think the message needs to be.
0: Mike Lee, thank you so much. I appreciate you standing. I I can't imagine how frustrated you are to be working in that, Uh, but I'm glad you're there. Thank you so
3: much, Mike. Hey, thanks so much, Glenn. It's it's not that bad if you don't think about it. You just keep (laughs) plugging along.
0: (laughs) I know that. Thank you so much. That's why I... Wish I weren't a recovering alcoholic because just alcoholism would do a lot of wonderful things for me right now.